Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. What's up, democracy? What's up, democracy? Brett, big, big movement big in the pro- movement. Big movement. We got Michael Cohen as a guest on the Midas Touch podcast today. Who better would you want to hear break down the Alan Weisselberg guilty plea, chief financial officer of the Trump organization pleading guilty? Uh, 15 felony counts will have to serve at least uh, 100 days in jail, likely be sentenced to about five months in prison. We'll see what the sentencing holds. But the one of the big headlines out of that as well is that he's going to have to testify now at the criminal trial in October against the Trump organization. Yes, the Trump organization is a criminal defendant and their chief financial officer just pled guilty to tax fraud crimes. We got Cohen breaking that down. Brandon, we got Co- I got to say, out of all the people in the world that you could possibly have on a day like today, like Michael Cohen is perhaps, he is, not perhaps, he is the best guest possible to break it all down. I mean, you remember Michael Cohen was the guy who set many of these investigations going with his testimony before Congress. So this is, we have the guy, Michael Cohen, here with us on the Midas Touch podcast to tell us exactly what is going on in Trump world, tell you how scared Trump is, how terrified Team Trump is, and what their next moves may be, what we need to look out for. But I know it gets to be a cliche a little bit, but the walls of justice are closing in on Donald Trump. And it's walls a good thing of to justice see. are closed. Wheels of justice move and the walls. <laughs> the walls. Well, well I combined two phrases there, Ben. I combined the walls are closing in with the wheels of justice into one new phrase that you the all walls are. Of justice. You guys could feel free to use, you know, as you as you like. That's, that could be a good merch idea. Right? Walls, walls of, justice. of justice with Trump in the middle, just trap, you know, like those movies where it's always like the walls are closing in. And then at the very last second, you know, the person somehow able to pop off at this point. You know, I think it might be too late for Donald Trump here as the walls close in on. Yeah, him but no one wants to any photos of Donald Trump on their T-shirts. But I like the walls of justice uh, concept. And as the walls of justice close in on Donald Trump, we see more information being revealed about the search warrant executed on Mar-a-Lago last week. The uh, Trump and his lackeys have come up with every possible excuse in the world. We're going to break that down. And of course, the court hearing today to unseal records. Most of it's unsealed uh, to begin with. Of course, the affidavit itself, though, which has the information of the confidential informant. Confidential informant information does not get unsealed ever pre-indictment because the goal is not to uh, not protect the confidential. Let me throw a question at you, though, Ben. Okay, what if a D-rate attorney appears on a news network like Newsmax and demands that the confidential informant release? Surely then 
they release the names of the confidential informants. You know, I read about that in law school, Brett. I I read about that There's that a situation. On that, yeah. There's a chapter. What happens when the D-rate attorney? And that's being is, generous, by the way. D-rate attorney who uh, has already been caught lying like 18 different times in connection with just the search warrant issue. Remember, I mean, whether it's Elena Habba or Christina Bob, but Elena Habba came out right away and said, we never got a copy of the search warrant, just so people know that all this stuff that we say is based on video. So, I mean, just play the clip right there of what Alina Habba said the first time that they never got a copy of the search warrant. People are saying, oh, well, why doesn't the president's attorney just release the warrant? They were probably handed a warrant before the feds showed up to kick the door down. Why wouldn't you do that? Actually, um, my understanding from the attorneys on the ground was that they weren't given the warrant. They were allowed to see it and then taken back. Oh, so they don't have a copy. That's of it. my understanding. They always like to try to cloud it. It is my understanding. It is what well, <laughs> which is basically an admission that they don't understand anything. But she's been caught in lie after lie after lie after lie. But Brett, the chapter that I read on the textbook is no D-rate attorneys lying about uh, the implications of search warrants uh, does not count. And then let's talk about let's actually start the podcast with some real positive news, though, um, as well on the Democrat side. And it's highlighting the progress of Democrats are making, of course, all the Trump news that we uh, just talked about is very, very, very positive news in terms of Trump being held accountable. But I don't want to be lost in this. The fact that Democrats are fighting for people and fighting for policy that actually helps people's lives. I mean, this week passing the Inflation Reduction Act that's actually going to help people and not help billionaires. You notice what the Republicans are most concerned about there. I mean, they're concerned about the tax loopholes freak them out right there. And then the other thing that they get most concerned about is the fact that additional IRS scrutiny will be paid towards people making more than $400,000 a year. Like that's the one that flips them out more than anything, which should just tell you what their priorities are. And they try to scare their base into thinking that, oh, you know, because people are going to be looking at the exploitation of tax loopholes, that that impacts the factory worker or the teacher or the worker. That's yeah, they try to their... scare the working class when not a penny of taxes is going to be raised on the working class. Only if you're making above four hundred thousand dollars a year, which I'm going to argue most Republican voters do not. So it's more fear mongering. It's more just blatant lies. And they try to act like and I've seen it because I'm on some for some reason. Someone put me on all these crazy right wing email lists that I get these horrific emails and they will show pictures to people of like FBI raids on people's homes, guns fake, drawn, totally fake, totally like made fake, up, made up, invented, photos. total doctored photos. And they'd say, this is the FBI or this is the IRS planning their raid on middle class homeowners to get them for their taxes. They're going to bust through your door and they're going to take out their guns and they're going to demand your money. And that is the image that they're putting in people's heads. It's fear mongering. It's blatant lies. And it's dangerous because you're going to put the lives of these IRS agents at risk here. And the whole idea of them adding on more IRS agents is actually to fill a hole that's in the IRS right now, because there's actually a projected loss of 50,000 employees over the next five years. So the point in giving them additional funding is to, over time, phase in people as these 50,000 people from the IRS 
are no longer working at the IRS. They're bracing for these changes to, to the government structure. And so that's important that our government works. But you notice now it's like every single policy of the Republican Party is defund. Like it's a, it's a weird thing now where everything has been just totally flipped on its head. It's defund the FBI, defund public schools, defund the Department of Justice, defund Social Security, defund Medicare. They are the party of defund. And that is something that we need to run with. And it's extreme, it's radical, and it shows you that they really, at the end of the day, just want to destroy the United States of America government. They want to take away your rights. I think that's the most important messaging overall in the midterms in 2022. And we've seen Democrats and pro-democracy supporters using it very, very, very successfully. But these Republicans are not conservative anymore. And look, Eric Trump said it the other night. I mean, play this clip of him, what Eric Trump said about the Republican Party. It's not even the Republican Party. I'd say it's actually the Trump Party. Yeah, there you have it. At least he admitted it. I mean, that's true. The, the Republican I'm... Party is the party of Trump. They're no longer the Republican Party. They shouldn't be called the Republican Party. They don't have a platform. They've erased their platform entirely. Like they literally erased the platform. When Trump was the president, they had a platform. They literally deleted it and said, whatever Trump tells us to do is our platform. That's one of the things Eric Trump says. I'll get your take on that, Brett, first. Then I'll tell you the other part about Eric Trump's other arguments. But but talk about that. first. Oh boy. Well, it's just it's just goes along with exactly what we've been speaking about on this podcast now for the past couple of years, which is that this is not a conservative party. This isn't even like the Republican Party anymore. It is the MAGA party. It is a domestic terrorist party in many ways. I mean, they just want to see the destruction of this country. And it's an authoritarian cult where they have to abide by whatever the leader, the cult leader in this case, Donald Trump says, whether it's an egregious lie or not, they have to agree agree with whatever it says, no matter how big the lie. And that is a requirement to be in today's Republican Party. And that is so incredibly dangerous. And we saw even like Matt Schlapp, who does the, uh, you know, the, the CPAC conventions, he's worked in the Trump administration, Schlapp. He said even a few months ago, he said, you know, we're not even conservative anymore. And we were like, oh, my God, they just said it out loud. We're not even conservatives anymore. Thank you for admitting that. And I think when we see, you know, Liz Cheney's defeat the other night in Wyoming, I think that is just confirmation of what we already knew. That the Republican Party, as we have known it over these past many years, has died and it's been replaced with the MAGA cult, with the Trump authoritarian cult. Yeah, at the last CPAC conference or one of those conferences, they have the conference every weekend. We've talked about this on the show, too. Like literally every weekend they have the annual CPAC conference or the Turning Point conference. And so, but That's their so new true. but their banner says we are domestic terrorists. Literally, it says that they are domestic terrorists. And that wasn't hacked. That wasn't it. That was, they put that there on they purpose. There. They proudly put that on top of their banner. And just look at what General Michael Hayden said, who was the CIA director. This is what he said on uh, August 17th. This is what he said yesterday. Someone named Edward Lou said, I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. Have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. I want to read that again for everybody out there. This is a guy named Edward Luce. And Edward Luce has ostensibly covered, he worked for the uh, Financial Times. Uh, he's a U.S.-based writer and columnist, associate editor. And he's covered international news as well. Um, and so he goes, I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world 
everything we're talking about, like the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, worst, worst of the worst in my career. And I have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. And Ben, you could write that off, right? You could say, okay, but this is a writer, right? Like he's just a journalist. Maybe he's just trying to get clicks or, you know, who knows what. But then Ben, General Michael Hayden responds. General Michael Hayden, the former CIA director. And what does he say? I agree. And I was the CIA director. I mean, if that does not send chills down your spine, then I don't know what possibly could. I mean, could you imagine a former CIA director saying that about one of the major political parties in this? And it's true. And look, what's reflecting in the polls and we can never get complacent as Democrats, as pro-democracy supporters, we can never get complacent. But what the polls are showing are major shifts towards Democrats since May. And we see this in a Fox News poll, plus seven to Democrats amongst women, plus eight to Democrats amongst white women, plus 10 to Democrats amongst non-white women, plus nine to Democrats amongst suburban women, plus four of men generally to Democrats. And this is, I think, a big one, too, that dads plus 28 to Democrats. Plus 28. I mean, the the tides are shifting, folks. People are seeing it because people been like we were talking at the beginning of the show. People are seeing the accomplishments of Democrats and they're seeing the extremism of the right. I'll tell you, Brett, I saw this clip. You're right. I saw this clip the other night. I think it came in my TikTok from Joe Rogan, though, um, who I think you'd probably put into that plus 28 dad category. Uh And he was speaking to someone who identified as being pro-life, although I don't like that label because these people who lie and call themselves pro-life are the people who force birthers, but they're the ones who also prevent women from getting emergency room care and they want to actually kill uh, the the woman and take away a, a, a woman's choice. But, you know, what Rogan actually said to this individual on the show is if my daughter is raped by somebody, She's not having that baby. You're not you're not forcing the government's not going to force my daughter, my 14 year old daughter, if she gets raped to carry her rapist baby to term period. That's not happening. And that is what is happening, though, in the world right now in the United States, in in the world where uh, Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade. That is what we see Republican legislators every day speaking in their respective legislative rooms demanding take place and that is the laws that they are passing and the and the effect of the laws that they are passing and so i do think that there is significant shift taking place but this is the moment where democrats need to fight ever harder and not get complacent and we see republicans taking notice like mitch mcconnell just shifted pretty much all of the money out of like the pennsylvania race which other races that he shifted out to brett and put it all in Ohio. Did he take it out of Wisconsin as well? Yeah. So Mitch McConnell and his pack, what they did is they took $28 million and they brought it into Ohio to try to help J.D. Vance because J.D. Vance has been absolutely struggling. I think in his last report, I think J.D. Vance only had something like 
$300,000 from small donors. J.D. Vance is also, you know, he's a radical extremist who's tied himself to Trump and also looks like a complete and total fraud planted there by Silicon Valley billionaire Peter Thiel. You see exactly, you know, it's kind of like a Dr. Oz race in a lot of ways where the guy's just such a clear fraud, does not belong there, but it's not quite getting the same level of national trolley attention as the Dr. Oz race, but it's just as important. And he's being exposed just as hard as this fraudulent candidate. And I think it speaks volumes that Mitch McConnell is so concerned about Ohio, that Republicans are so concerned about Ohio, that they are shifting all this money there while simultaneously the National Republican Senatorial Committee has cut spending in at least four key battleground states. They've cut spending from Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. And that, I think, also speaks volumes that you have Mitch McConnell coming out there and basically admitting that he doesn't think that they have a shot at the Senate in his own Mitch McConnell way. He said, and as when asked for his midterm projections, a recent quote was from McConnell, I think there's probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome, with the outcome. I think that's also kind of a tacit admission of (laughs) uh, we're able to gerrymander these House races to win enough of them. Them, but we can't do that in statewide races, right? It's like, it's like, oh yeah, we don't yeah, have don't to worry about our candid shitty candidates. <laughs> candidate quality actually matters in Senate campaigns. Yeah, when people but, understand what Republicans are actually for and are able to have a voice on those policies, then our candidates don't do well. But when we're able to entrap people in their voting patterns through gerrymandering, then guess what? Our people win. It's not exactly an admission that you're doing a, a good job or that Amer- the American people like what you're doing there, Mitch. Well, and that's the thing, Brett, is... <laughs> Republicans, one, don't have Americans proxy, almost at all levels, federal and 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 state levels. They pretend to channel an America that represents probably slightly more than 30 percent of the country, because if you put these issues that Democrats support as a referendum or just have generic Democrats against generic Republicans on the issues to the nation, very similar to what you have across the globe. And when they have kind of parliamentary systems and how elections are taken across the country, though, sometimes also where you're voting for an overall party and you're voting for based on the popularity and other countries look at our system and go, what this electoral college and all this gerrymandering? What, 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 are y'all, what are you doing here? But here's the thing where America is, there truly is a silent majority that's overwhelming favoring democratic policies because most people aren't billionaires like Elon Musk and most people aren't like wacko fascist nutcases who drape themselves in Donald Trump attire with six pack and weird shit. That's not where most Americans are. Most Americans don't watch a speech of uh, someone like Kerry Lake, who's running for governor of a serious state of Arizona, saying that, hey, parents out there, ask your children about big dick energy. Can you talk to your kids about big dick energy and ask them if Donald Trump and DeSantis have that BDE, <laughs> big dick energy? Most Americans look at that and go, that's fucking nuts. That's not who we are. How about you talk about are you going to protect my social security? Are you going to make sure I get health care? Can my kids have an affordable education? 
Do you care about me? Most people are like, ooh, Donald Trump and DeSantis have a tiny dick or a big dick or big dick <laughs> energy. Let's talk about the dicks. And most people are like, what are you doing? Right? Most people are like, dude, that's fucking weird shit, man. Stop it. Stop that's it. What you have, that's what you have on that side. And then you have Democrats being like, okay, how could we get the Inflation Reduction Act passed? Okay, how could, how let's, we fight for, let's fight for our military veterans so that they're protected with health care when they, if they're exposed to toxic burn pits across the world when they're fighting for our country and Republicans fist bumping. <laughs> we showed them. We showed them. Oh, the Democrats wanted to pass the CHIPS Act to invest in the semiconductor industry in the United States. Damn, they got that passed. So let me show these fuckers. <laughs> we got you, veterans. That's what the Republican platform. I mean, that's some weird, 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 crazy shit, Brett. But talking about weird, 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 crazy shit and pivoting for a second, I said I would go back and speak about Eric Trump and what the defenses are that the Trumps are basically raising. So Eric Trump, they're like touting out right now and like having him walk around like it's like the worst plan in the world in response to the search warrant executed on Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> they have like no other people who they can trot out. Eric <laughs> Trump's literal defense of his dad having confidential top secret compartmented information that poses a massive national security threat in violation of the espionage is the following. So I was at a restaurant the other day with Laura and two people came over and they offered us dinner. <laughs> and they said, they said to me and Laura, they said, Oh, the American government's not being nice to you guys. Like, that's literally what his main defense is, is that he makes up a fake story about people approaching him at a restaurant and buying him a trust fund kid dinner. That's like his his view of like of of of, of what his defense is. Just play this clip of Eric. My wife and I, Laura and I were at dinner the other night and there were two tables that started arguing about paying for our bill. It was a little casual place. They want to pay for our bill to say sorry for what the country was doing to my father, to our family, right? People right now would would crawl over broken glass for Donald Trump. And then they've trotted out this other guy. I don't even know what his name is, but this guy's like, this guy's like a real goofy. This guy's like a goofy dude who Fox News puts on. And he's been coming up with all of these like wrong, erroneous, like just dumb <laughs> theories. And his most recent dumb theory is he goes, I'd be surprised that we're talking about this, but Bill Clinton used to keep audio of the interviews he would do for his book in a sock drawer in the White House. And Bill Clinton said that those were personal records. So Donald Trump can say whatever he wants is personal records because a court decision said that uh, President Clinton can call the audio tapes for his book personal records. It's like so disingenuous and stupid. It's like, first of all, these aren't personal records. These are confidential top secret records that belong to the United States government. They do not belong to Donald Trump. Second, the National Archives and our government apparatus have asked for these documents back. In the case that this wacky lawyer is citing, some wacky right wing extremist group filed a lawsuit against Bill Clinton, like in 2009 and 2010. The lawsuit was actually follow, filed against the National Archives, trying to compel the National Archives to take back documents from like 1993 and 1994. And the court looked at this group and they were like, what are you talking about? You can't. You can't sue as a civil plaintiff the National Archives to force the National Archives to have a president turn over audio recordings that he made for his book. That's a personal record, not a presidential record. And the case that said, 
You don't even have standing to even bring this case. Like, What are you talking about? There's nothing to do. But they go on Fox and just lie, 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 lie. And since Tucker's come back, it's just like even more. For, I mean, they literally lie every single day. I think we talked the other day, Brett. I'm not sure if it was you said this to me. Like, it's you may have said it on Twitter. You're like, it's really crazy. Like from 24 hours a day, there is a network that sole goal is to promote the Republican Party with literal lies from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. Yeah, no, it's it's a literal fake news network. And a, it's it, I mean, there should be like an in-kind contribution like reported to the RNC and to the Republican Party because it literally is a branch of the Republican Party. And once you start to realize that, you know, it all kind of makes sense. They are a propaganda arm of the Republican Party that is masquerading as a news network and they just lie and gaslight. And they happen to be one of the most the most popular cable news networks out there that is frequently played in airports and military bases and the like. And that's what's so dangerous. And Ben, what I want to get your thoughts on, though, I want to go back. Back to this affidavit. You know, I want to get your little legal expertise on first off, what kind of information is contained in an affidavit? And then we have some breaking news as to what the judge has decided to do with this affidavit, which I'll hit on after. Yeah. So what, what's so if you think about a search warrant, think about it has three documents, right? It has the affidavit itself. It has the warrant itself. And then it has the return. So three documents comprise the warrant. The affidavit is something that is submitted. It's like a declaration submitted to a judge to establish probable cause that crimes are committed. Uh, so it actually lists how the evidence was gathered. It can list the names of like who the confidential informants are. And it basically talks about, you know, it's it's providing an argument in a way to the judge that there is probable cause for the next document, which is the actual warrant, which permits the government to go on the property. You hand the person on the property the warrant, and then you don't have to hand it to them, you know, at some point, and then you search the property. Um, and then the warrant includes a list of what's supposed to be searched, what's allowed to be searched that the judge signed off on. And then it provides the crimes, but it doesn't have the affidavit that lists the actual probable cause arguments that are being made. And then finally, you have the return after the warrants executed, the documents are taken, the lawyer for the person or the person who has their property searched gets a list of all of those things. So those are the three documents. So the affidavit will contain the names oftentimes of, in cases like this, confidential informants and witnesses. And before there's an indictment, you would not want to reveal the sources and methods of how you obtain the information because there's an ongoing criminal investigation. And so, Brett, the breaking news out of uh, the hearing today that took place in Florida, the federal court of Florida, is that the judge seems to be actually going to release major portions of the affidavit subject to the government submitting redactions. It's actually pretty big news because what the government will probably redact are the names of the informants and things that could allow people to infer who the informants are. But I think we're actually now going to get some real significant information into what was taking place at Mar-a-Lago. You know what, what it's, Ben, it's going to be another one of those things that backfires so spectacularly on Trump world. Like when they demand, release the warrant, release the warrant. Then we saw the warrant and everyone was like, 
holy shit, espionage. And now at this case today in front of Judge Reinhardt, who is the judge that the Republicans have smeared in the most despicable ways possible, how Fox News has smeared this guy in the most despicable ways possible and really put the guy's life at risk. Who the, You know who the DOJ has heading their side of this case, the head of espionage and counterintelligence at the Department of Justice, Jay Bratt, which I think speaks volumes. And now what I think is when this affidavit is released, I think it may show actually these interactions between the Department of Justice and the Trump lawyers and their negotiation for these Trump documents and show just the bad faith that the Trump lawyers and the Trump team was engaging with and why this search was actually necessary. Because if they just participated and they were they complied and they said, hey, we're going to give you all this stuff, there would, of course, never be a search on Mar-a-Lago. But they didn't. And that is one of the questions that we have to ask. Why did they not cooperate here? Why did they take the documents and why did they refuse to give them back? So now let's bring in Michael Cohen uh, to talk about all of these events that are happening. I can't wait to have Michael Cohen. Everybody, though, before I bring Michael Cohen, have you gone to store.midastouch.com? Go to store.midastouch.com. We have the best Midas Touch gear, the best pro-democracy gear. I think our Convict, a.k.a. Convict 45 shirts, like, sold out right away. So make sure that you get this merch before it uh, completely sells out. And we've got a new merch line right now, the Row November collection. Check out the Rovember t-shirt collection at store.midastouch.com. And Brett, I want you to tell people about the importance of subscribing to the Midas Touch uh, podcast on YouTube. Subscribe now and on audio. Why is that important, Brett? It's important because you know what it does? It first off helps us get the message out there to a wide audience and everybody needs to be hearing these pro-democracy messages. And then it also helps defeat the fascist networks, the fascist podcasts that are really, honestly, they conquer the charts. When you see Steve Bannon's podcast up there or Ben Shapiro's podcast up there, we could beat them, but we need your help to do that. So make sure that you follow our podcast, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast on audio, subscribe to the YouTube and get that merch at store.midastouch.com. We're also doing a November tea and pin pack which is really amazing. We also just got some new of those Convict 45 shirts in person, woman, man, camera, prison tees. I mean, we got a lot of great pro-democracy gear there. And I just want to do a huge also shout out to our show, our live show. You heard that right. The Midas Touch live show, how we win live. This is this upcoming Monday, August 22nd at 7.30. If you're in the Los Angeles area or could get to Los Angeles, we are performing live, doing a live podcast at the Largo with Allison Gill from Muller She Wrote, with Frangela from The Final Word, with Steve Pearson from How We Win, and headlining is Kathy Griffin. So it should be a great night. And there's also going to be a special guest on top of that who you do not want to miss. So you can get tickets for that at howwewinlive.com. And all the money we raise is going to help the most important races in the midterms to help Democratic candidates. It goes directly to the most important campaigns. So you could get your tickets, howwewinlive.com. We can't wait to see you there. And now, you know, let's go to our interview with Michael Cohen. I'm excited to dig in on all this Weisselberg stuff and all this Trump justice, let's call it. Now our interview with Michael Cohen. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Truly someone who needs no introduction, but I'll plug the podcast, the host of the Maya Culpa podcast right here on the Midas Touch Network and Woo. audio up. We got Michael Cohen and author of the new book, Revenge, on the uh, podcast. Let's put that up. Michael Oh, Cohen. look at that. Look what a cover. I like looking, that. That's called looking color good, MC. That's called the color printer. Now I'm talking. Now we're talking business. Now Let's we're talking talk business. Let's talk <laughs> revenge, Cohen. Revenge. Today is a big day. Alan Weisselberg pled guilty. What's your initial reaction to that? Well, I knew he was going to have to plead guilty all along. It's something I talk about in the book. You know, it's easy to be a tough guy right after you take the not guilty plea, walking around, going back to Trump Tower, acting as the CFO, despite the fact they say that he's not. He goes back and life goes on. But here's the problem. Every day is a day closer to having to answer for the crimes that you committed. And today he pled guilty to get a load of this shit, boys. 15 years worth of tax manipulation schemes and shit. And one of the things that he has to do is he's going to have to testify against the Trump organization and also Trump payroll, which are two of Donald Trump's eponymous companies. So Alan Weisselberg, in the biggest way, I mean, screwed you over. He was engaged in all of these crimes. He speaks to the grand jury tries to get an immunity deal, gets an immunity deal from them, but tries to apply his immunity deal, trying to, th- you know, throwing you under the bus as a way to try to get his state case dismissed. So that was the last maneuver that he tried to basically say, look, I told on Cohen, I was given universal immunity. You can't get me. The New York court denied that. So then he was cornered like the little rat that he is. The weasel, so he, yeah, weasel, the weasel. that he is. And so he had to finally say, look, uh, I'm pleading guilty. And so now what do you think is going to happen at that October trial? What do you know about that? What's this October trial? The Trump organization's a criminal defendant. What can you tell us? Well, he's going to have to answer all the questions. And I do believe that that will ultimately implicate other people. See, now the fun is really beginning to start because it's not just Alan Weisberg. But I do want to go back and just talk about something I do reference into the book Revenge. One of the things that Weisselberg did is he testified to the grand jury at the request of the Southern District of New York uh, against me for that basic 48 hours that I had to plead guilty. They were filing the 85-page indictment that was going to include my wife. But if you Google it, here's what you'll find. The Southern District of New York knew that Alan Weisselberg was lying about the information that he testified to against me. And yet they still used it in terms of the prosecution of me, or at least the threat of prosecution. So what's going to happen now is you have other people in the Trump orbit that are probably as concerned as Donald is about Weisselberg's upcoming testimony in October. People like Matt Calamari, Matt Calamari Jr. Um, You have Jeff McConaughey, you have a whole slew. The kids, Don, Ivanka, Eric, Jared, there's a whole slew of things that they're going to be asking that relate to the Trump organization or Trump payroll that's going to implicate other people. This is just the beginning. Now, it's too bad this didn't happen two years ago, right? When I turned around and I told them, right, before the House, uh, actually, it's even more than that. 
Uh, it's three years uh, ago when I testified before the House Oversight Committee, and I told them about all of the manipulation going on. Um, and all of it, of course, having the fingerprints of Alan Weisselberg. So you go from Weisselberg, the CFO of Trump Organization, pleading guilty. Today, you have the Trump Organization going to trial in October. Then you have the search warrant executed last week at Mar-a-Lago. You've commented a lot of places about that. But I guess the newest excuse that uh, Trump is and his team is trying to make is that now it's Bill Clinton recorded audio for his book and had the audio in a sock drawer or something like that. And so therefore, because Bill Clinton recorded audio files, which were deemed to be personal about Bill Clinton's book, that Donald Trump can basically voila with the magic wand declare top secret, secret compartment and information, which may be even nuclear information, personal records, which has a definition. These excuses, Cohen, like, dumber and dumber and dumber than the next. What do you make of all these cascading lies? Yeah. So one of the things that we know is that the documents are in the possession of the FBI and to be turned over to the National Archives. They have already been identified um, as maybe some are personal documents, some love letters from Kim Jong-un, from Vladimir Putin, maybe Mohammed bin Salman thanking him for you know reducing the cost on some of the items that they sold them so Jared could get the two and a half billion. Don't know about that. But what we do know are that there are documents there that are classified and you know significantly classified as, you know, Documents that should not be in the basement of Mar-a-Lardo, all right? Um, it, they just should not be there. And the fact that they claim that they put an extra lock, a padlock, you know, here's a mistake that's constantly being made by the media. Mar-a-Lardo, despite the fact the big shit lives there, Mar-a-Lardo is not the private residence of Donald J. Trump. It is a social club that people... People pay like $300,000 um, as a bond in order to become a member. So this notion that this is his house, of course, it is an impressive property. Don't get me wrong. When it was the property of, uh, what was her name? Uh, Mar Marjorie Merriweather Post. That's a hundred bedroom house. It is legitimately a magnificent structure, but it is not his house. It is a social club with hundreds and hundreds of members, including, you may remember, there was a Chinese dissident that was there with a thumb drive and a bunch of other, you know, inf tools in order to clearly steal stuff from, you know, from the location. So it is an unsecured social club property that Donald happens to be living at despite the fact he owns properties across the street. Cohen, do you know anything about uh, Bedminster being labeled a cemetery for purposes of Ivana's burial or anything around that? Do you know what that what that's about? No, all I know is that they did. They buried what appears to be the, you know, the ashes of Ivana uh, on the first hole. Personally, I find the whole thing to be fucking offensive. I would be offended if I was Ivana. He certainly was no great husband while they were together. And he's even a bigger shit now that she's deceased. Who the fuck wants to be buried at the first hole? You know, there's a guy who has a plaque. It's Vinny Stelio, one of the finest human beings you could ever meet. He built 
Briarcliff Manor in Westchester. And so they put a plaque up in his honor on the 18th hole and deserve it. One of the finest human beings you can meet. I don't, it's not the same thing. They're burying a body. There's a headstone that's there. Who wants people playing over your headstone? I mean, there's no relevance to her being there other than what I'm reading in the paper. And that's to provide him with a tax benefit on the property, because now it's not just a golf course. It's also a cemetery. And Cohen, and Cohen we, we've spoken about now uh, Trump being on trial for tax fraud claims, the Trump organization being on trial after Weisselberg pleading guilty. We've talked about uh, the criminal investigation under the Espionage Act into Trump taking the secret compartment to top secret documents. What we haven't really been talking about the past two weeks is really the January 6th committee, which is all we were talking about two weeks ago, which was this person inspired this this fascist wannabe inspired an insurrection to overthrow our democracy with overwhelming evidence. And Cohen, you were a skeptic at first of the January 6th committee with a cautious skeptic saying, are they going to really reveal new information? But you've since kind of had a change of heart on that and, and have applauded the work they've done. And do you think that the work they've done is also kind of partially to credit for kind of breaking the seal, if you will, on all this other stuff? Or do you think the chickens would have come home to roost regardless? Yeah, the chickens would have come home simply because that investigation at the district attorney's office, I think somebody should actually investigate as to why Alvin Bragg dropped the action against Donald Trump himself uh, and the same with the Southern District of New York. Nevertheless, as I stated earlier, one of the things that you have is time. All right. That's what they have is time. And Alan Weisselberg had the right to plead not guilty. But there was going to be a time that he would be running face first into a wall it's called the wall of reality, when he knows that he's going to be held to task for his illegal activities on behalf of and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. And they probably presented to him that based upon the 15 years of fraud, he could be looking at a, a decade, right? And so instead, they cut what's a great deal. And I have to be honest with you, I'm somewhat offended by the deal that was cut, which is He's going to get five months, which amounts to approximately 100 days. Really, 15 years of a scheme. He also, the amount of money was like 1.7 million. Mine was 1.39, right? I didn't do it on purpose. Mine was done as an error by my accountant, Jeffrey Getzel, which I'm now suing. The case is on appeal. Um and he's getting five months. I got 36 months. Now, I do understand that one is federal, meaning Southern District of New York. The other is the DA's office and the judges in the DA case actually work with the defendants to cut a plea deal. But I'm a little bit offended by it, considering he schemed this out. That was Alan Weisselberg's job when he was at the Trump Organization to scheme out ways um, of creating money for Donald where money didn't exist. Now, you know, you may have seen this. This is an article that just came out by Joe Palazzola, which talks about how the WWE, World Wrestling, Vince McMahon, instead of paying Donald Trump, say, four or five million dollars, was four million and an additional one, um, which he would have had to pay taxes on, they ran it through Donald Trump's foundation, which was ultimately closed down. 
And that way he didn't have to pay taxes on it. So Allen has been involved in all of this bullshit for years. And then to get five months as a, you know, as a plea deal, non-cooperator, pled not guilty, put the system through additional work, five months, I don't know, seems a little light to me. Yeah. So, so what's your read overall on, on Bragg here? I mean, on the one hand, we got the five months. On the other hand, though, I mean, he will be testifying against the Trump companies. Is this just another way, though, for Trump himself, Trump the man, to avoid responsibility for these actions? So I don't know whether Donald will be able to avoid responsibility. It really all is predicated upon the answers that Allen will give when questioned. And they are holding off sentencing um, of Allen to prison until such time as he does fully cooperate. So I don't suspect that we're going to see um, extensions because they really want to get this over with. What's going to happen is they're going to ask questions about whether or not Donald knew about what was going on, whether he knew about the schemes that Allen was involved in. And again, like with revenge, I talk about it at length, provide documents in the book, specific instances and references you know, that were picked up by media over the course of the years. It's really, the whole story here is fascinating, but I do believe that Donald, Ivanka, Don Jr., Eric, Calamari, others are also going to be implicated in the responses that Alan is going to have to give. Yeah, it's almost like, how could they not? These people are inextricably tied to the Trump organization. It's not like it's this massive company. I want to get back to the FBI search with you for for a beat here. I've seen you speculate on other places about who exactly is the Mar-a-Lago mole, who is the uh, informant. And I'd like to get your take for our Midas Touch listeners here. Who do you think gave them the information that they needed to conduct that search? So again, it's my conjecture Um, But I do believe that it's Jared Kushner. It only makes sense to me. Why? Well, first and foremost, Jared was the secretary of everything in Washington. That's what he was known as. And all of the dirtiness that we all know about, your listeners, you, everybody knows about all the shenanigans that were going on um, in Washington. And yet somehow or another, not only is Jared not implicated in anything he's not has not been indicted as of yet but more more than that he ends up getting two and a half billion dollars from the saudis despite the fact that the finance team for mbs for the saudi investment authority already said that he's not qualified so he gets two and a half billion there's no implication of him there's no indictments against him let me just take one additional thing if you have a safe in your property, in your home, wherever, in your office, who knows about it? Well, you certainly don't advertise it. You don't come on Midas Touch or the Mayor Culpa podcast and reveal right. where the fucking safe is and what's inside of it. So who would actually know this information? Family. Because Donald, remember something, Donald doesn't trust anyone. All right. And For him to tell somebody like Mark the Moron Meadows, not going to happen. He's not going to tell Lindsey Graham. He's not going to be spouting, you know, hey, I got this safe at Mar-a-Lago and I got shit in it. No, that's not how he works. Who would know? Well, the kids would know. And, you know, through association, if Ivanka knows, Jared would know. And again, he held a senior advisor position for Trump. And was the secretary of everything. Now, one of the reasons I don't believe Don knew about it 
or what at least what was in it, because they did have to plead with specificity to the warrant what items they were looking for. Donald would always say that Don Jr. has the worst fucking judgment of anyone he's ever met. And you don't see a lot of Don Jr. out there now. So I think he's sort of been sidelined, whereas Eric is out there talking about the releasing of the tape and all the other. Eric is just a fucking idiot. There's no other way to describe him. So the shit that comes out of his mouth is just incredible because they're not thinking about the repercussions of the statements that they're making. All they're thinking about is how to continue the grift, something you and I have been talking about now for, what, two years since we first met? They've already fundraised and fundraised and raised millions of dollars off of what happened with the FBI from these unsuspecting stupids that call themselves MAGAs. And there's lots of talk right now about the fact that Donald Trump stole these top secret documents. But the question that still lingers out there is, why did he steal the documents? And maybe more importantly, why did he not give them back when he was asked with the other documents? What's your speculation? Right. So one year ago, they came in and the National Archives of the FBI, they confiscated about a dozen boxes of information. Why he took them, that we'll get to in about a half a second. But I believe right, that he elected not to return these additional, say, dozen boxes because there was information in it that he felt that he could use. And you're asking exactly the question that I asked on MSNBC to Ali Velshi last Saturday morning when I said the question should not be that everyone's asking what were those documents, but rather why was he keeping those documents? And knowing Donald the way I know Donald, There has to be a benefit to him. I believe he saw some of those documents as a get out of jail free card, as a way to extort the United States government, the FBI or anybody that's looking to prosecute him and say, hey, listen up. All right. I have, as you know, a lot of supporters that are willing to die for me. And as a result, I have given them certain documents. All right. Or copies of certain documents. That could be injurious, which he wouldn't use that word because he doesn't know what it means. That could harm. (laughs) All right. He only uses like four letter words that could harm the national security of this country. And I say that because he doesn't give a shit about this country. Right. The country rejected him in the 2020 election. So he's just as happy to burn the fucking place down. But if you indict me, if you incarcerate me, these documents are going to be released to Iran, North Korea, right, to, you know, to Russia, to China. And this is going to create a national security issue that the United States will never rebound from. That's what I believe that he was holding those documents for, because that's the way his nefarious, evil, narcissistic, sociopathic mind actually works. And do you think, and these maybe could play together, do you think that in addition to the extortion that perhaps he was trying to sell state secrets to our foreign adversaries? Yeah, I don't know about selling them. Uh, If he wanted to sell them, he could have done that already. Um, By the way, I'm not so sure we know that he hasn't given them away. Maybe that's why they gave Jared the two and a half billion. Who the hell knows? But I don't believe that he was looking to sell them at this time. I believe he was looking uh, as... We'll call it a Donald 
Donald Trump pocket pardon for anything that he had done to keep his ass out of jail. It's something that's on his mind. Hey, sorry to interrupt the interview that we're doing with uh, Michael Cohen. I know I'm doing the interview with Brett, so sorry, but go to store.midastouch.com, will you? Go to store.midastouch.com right now. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much. Back to the interview. And document on the president of France, one of the things listed on the items seized. What the hell is that about? Is that some sort of compromise? I have no idea. You know, um, I wasn't there for any of this. I was in Otisville uh, serving a 36-month sentence because of lies that were told about me, um, which I'm incredibly thankful that Talk about timing, right? Look at what the name of my book is, Revenge. How Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. He's now using the same argument and claiming that the Biden administration is weaponizing the Justice Department to go after him to prevent him from becoming president again. I mean, that's how crazy that this man is. And the nice thing is my book, outlines in specific detail, names, names, gives information exactly who did what and how Donald opened up the floodgates using Bill Barr and others, weaponizing the Justice Department to go against his critic. In this case, it was me. Yeah, now everybody's got to read Revenge. I'm, I'm really excited to get my hands on it. And speaking of revenge, we already see Donald Trump vowing revenge on his truth social I, I guess you call it a social media platform, but he uh, I got to get the terminology right here, Mike. He retruthed a post. Uh, it relied. I don't know what you want to call it. An article saying that he suggesting that he, Donald Trump, conduct FBI raids on his political enemies. Should he take power? Would you put it past him to do something like that? Fuck no. Not only will he do it, we've also heard from high ranking members of Congress who have turned around and said that if they take back power, that they have every intention on day number one, opening up investigations into a whole slew of people, including Nancy Pelosi, including, you know, Adam Schiff, including a whole slew of Democratic members of Congress. This is insane. This is this is why Donald is reaping what he sowed, because he opened up a floodgate for fools to say stupid shit like this. And for some unknown reason, there are a group of dumber people, MAGAs, that think this is funny. They think that this is tough man talking. This is bullshit. All right. The fact that they could even advance, announce that they are going to go after other members of Congress when they take power as retaliation for what's happening now. Every single action that has been brought from the claims of tax evasion, manipulation of his of his um, wealth, manipulation of uh, taxes to reduce it, what he has to pay versus what he claimed it was worth, all the way to the January 6th insurrection and beyond to his conversation with Brad Raffensperger. These are all legitimate. Not only do we have documents proving it, not only do we have both right. sides of the aisle, Republicans as well, stating this is what happened. The only one, of course, who denies it is Donald and company, but these are all legitimate, legitimate claims that he's required to be held accountable for if the adage that no one is above the law is true. And you have these Republican leaders who have 
decided that they would choose Donald Trump over American democracy, over the United States of America. And probably no one exemplifies this more than Kevin McCarthy. I mean, you must have known Kevin McCarthy in some respects when you worked for Trump. I mean, did you? What did you think about that guy? I didn't I didn't know him at all. Uh, I actually, in fact, never met him. Um, remember, you know, my tenure over there expired, obviously, before he came on. But from what I see of him, he's another he's just another asshole looking for power. And it's a real it's a real problem. You know, any one of these election deniers and we're seeing more and more of them winning their primaries. Will be the base for why our democracy gets destroyed. You know, it's been talked about from our leaders for hundreds of years that no foreign power will ever be able to destroy America. But what will destroy America will be domestic terrorism. It will come from the inside. And they're not joking. You know, you're talking about whoever thought it would be members of Congress, especially the Republican Party. They become the party of of hate, of racism, sexism, misogyny. They've taken over all of Donald's wonderful attributes. And, and what the hell is going on with Mark Meadows? I mean, let's get to the bottom of this. First, what, what do you think about that guy? Hey, there's nothing to think about. Mark Meadows is an asshole. You know, I he's just, he is what he is. There's no, there's no other way to describe him. He's another guy that thinks following Trump down this, you know, this rabbit hole of, you know, this, I should call it more like a dumpster, right, uh, to fall into this dirty dumpster of Donald. Why he's doing it, I have no idea. You know, what they also don't, you know, what they don't understand is that it's not just today that their names are being dragged through the mud, but it will be for all eternity. Could you imagine if our democracy ends up changing, if we become socialist, fascist, authoritarian, right? Do you, you realize that these people are the ones responsible? They will go down in history as the Goebbels, the, the Himmlers, right, of, you know, of the 2022. I mean, it's really, it's fucked up, and they should think more about this country than they should about themselves. Um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, they like to say America first, but they're clearly not abiding by what is actually America first. And now we hear Donald Trump and people in Trump world espousing this. Hey, Donald Trump wants to turn down the temperature. Hey, we wouldn't want to see mayhem in the streets, would we? Now, I'm not Donald Trump's former fixer, but when I view that, I think it's pretty clearly a mafia style threat, right? 100%. Now, let me give you another fun fact about what Donald does and does so well. Immigration. We we have been kicking that can down the road of immigration in changing the policy so that people know exactly what's going on forever. Infrastructure. Our roads are shit. Our bridges are in trouble, right? You just don't know it when you're driving over it, right? So let's just say infrastructure. If I was Donald, here's exactly what he's going to say. If I was president, nobody builds better than me. Nobody knows infrastructure better than me. I know more about infrastructure than the engineers. I'll fix it one, two, three. You want to talk about immigration? No one knows more about immigration. I two of my three wives that I banged are immigrants, right? So I know a lot about immigration. No one knows more than me. I'll fix immigration tomorrow. 
and I won't let people come into America. Whatever he's going to say, he has the answer to everything, but he right. has nothing backing it up. There's no substance behind it is the point I was trying to draw out of you. There's nothing behind this empty shit. And if you could tell me in four years what he did, what he built, and I'm not saying what he tore down, right? Like the EPA and other, you know, and other um, agencies. Donald didn't build shit in four years. He just took things apart. Absolutely. And with Donald Trump cornered right now, back against the wall, uh, prosecutions coming at him from all different angles. I mean, that's, I think, when a person could be most dangerous. So what do you think Donald Trump's next move is from here? Oh, he's going on the offensive. You know, one of the things I like is where you had idiot Eric turn around and say that 100 percent we're going to release these videotapes of the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lardo. And then, of course, he finishes it by saying what? He goes, at some point in time, right? That's the qualifier for you. But Donald's back is against the wall, and it's always dangerous to pin somebody up against the wall and not expect them to fire back. So, you know, he's going to try to sow additional chaos in the country. He's going to try to sow additional civil discourse between Republicans and Democrats. He's going to do whatever he can. He's like... um. You know, what, he's like a rat. A rat will chew through its own leg in order to escape, right? And that's what Donald will do. More importantly, before he chews through his own leg, he's going to chew through everybody else's. And there is a multitude of people, starting with Alan Weisselberg, all the way down to including right. his own kids, whose legs he will chew through before he ends up, you know, taking responsibility and the ultimate punishment himself. And one of those people who seems to be going down for Trump also is uh, somebody I know you love to speak about, Rudy Giuliani, uh, who testified yesterday before the Fulton County Grand Jury. He was there for, I think, about six hours or so right after being informed that he was a criminal target in this investigation. I mean, an indictment seems imminent for Rudy. What do you think is coming next? Well, yeah. And I've been saying to Rudy Colludi, drunken Giuliani forever, you know enough about Donald to know that you are expendable. He doesn't give two shits about you, what happens to you, not just today, but in 10 years down the road. He's not paying him. He's certainly not helping him with legal fees. Now Kaludi ends up having to go and testify. Six hours is a long time if you believe that he took the fifth. He could have taken a blanket fifth and been out of there in about an hour. So clearly he gave testimony. Now, you also may remember Rudy turning around and making the statement that he has an insurance policy. Obviously, we all would like to know what that insurance policy is. Is that going to be, you know, the spoke on the wheel that finally puts Donald in the ultimate peril? Highly doubtful. Do I think that Kaludi has information that will corroborate other testimony and make Donald's life increasingly difficult? The answer to that is yes. Now, that's interesting. I forgot about the insurance policy, and I think that's something he's probably thinking about a lot now that he's facing some real serious repercussions for his actions. I mean, I saw the other day a quote from him that it said, Rudy Giuliani's main goal right now is to, quote, die a free man. Yeah. Will he be able to achieve that goal? It doesn't look like it. And, you know, he's got this um, this guy, uh, Bob Costello, who tried, you know, to become my attorney when all this was happening in 
you know, I, it's also part of the book. You'll see it. I put in the text messages that this guy sent to me talking about how you have friends in high places. So, Bob, all right, while you're listening to this podcast, and I'm sure that you are, all right, most importantly, why don't you tell Rudy that he does not have friends in high places and that he is not loved. And even if he was loved, there's nothing that they're going to do for him. And all they want him to do is keep his mouth shut, say nothing negative about Donald and reap the, you know, the repercussions of all of the illegal and stupid shit that he did for Donald over the course of the last few years. And, and let's face it. I mean, Donald Trump has destroyed so many lives, um, ruined so many things for so many people. And he really destroyed the Republican Party, although, you know, you got to give them some agency. They they really destroyed themselves here. They knew what they were getting into. And now looking at the future of the Republican Party, I mean, I think it's been kind of dead for a while now in terms of what the Republican Party was. But now with the defeat of Liz Cheney, with Eric Trump going on TV and saying it's not the Republican Party. This is the Trump party. I mean, where do you think the Republican Party stands? And should they not even be using that name anymore? Well, of course, but that's Eric using it. Again, you know, he they're grifting off of it. Right. If you're a member of the Trump party and one of the members of the Trump party, because you get every day from Eric, from Don Jr., from Donald, from Ivanka. Well, Ivanka doesn't really put her name to it, but everybody else turn around and say we are under attack by the liberal left who's trying to destroy your leader, your wanted president from returning to the Oval Office, donate $15, $50, $500, $1,500. I've never seen marketing like the way that they do it. And that's what Eric is doing. He doesn't give a shit about his daddy either. This is all about raising money because they know that their company, come October, the DA is going to shut down. Trump organization. And if it's not the DA who does it, it'll be the civil matter by the New York Attorney General Tish James because they work in tandem. So they will shut that company down. Where's this money going to come from? Well, where's any of them? None of them have qualifications to work for shit. Eric, what's he going to do? If you need to build an a oversized ballroom with the same fucking ugly chandeliers from Canal Street, right, with tacky, you know, wall mountings and you know, and floorboards and ceiling molding, call Eric. But if that's not the look that you're going for, he is no use. So he's concerned about money. That's all they all care about. Money, 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 which of course was his theme song. That's all he cares about. Not American democracy, not about truth, not about Rudy, not about Michael Cohen, not about you, not about any of your listeners. He wouldn't cross the street, as I tell people, if you're on fire with a bottle of water to put you out. He doesn't give a shit about anyone or anything other than himself and his money. So that's where he's at. And speaking of that, Don Jr. recently went on one of these far right fascist networks. It's hard to keep track of all these fake news networks that keep popping up to just inject propaganda into the political landscape. And he had the nerve to call Liz Cheney's post primary plans, quote, one big grift. It's just one big grift, ultimately, Rob. Uh, you know, she's auditioning for the role of the conservative, you know, 
in air quotes, uh, on CNN while simultaneously running for a board seat at Raytheon so we can continue the endless wars. Uh, and then she's going to grift uh, and try to find, the, you know, the Joe Walsh lane uh, for president to be funded by, you know, the Lincoln Project. Uh, it never ends. And, uh, you know, I, I think she's going to probably learn that the hard way. Uh, I, I think we're probably done uh, with Cheney's uh, in American politics and good riddance. I mean, give me a break here. Well, it's called deflection. I also talk about that not only in this book, but in my previous book, Disloyal. Donald is the world's greatest deflector. The things that they know that they are responsible for, they push it on to somebody else, right? The old, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say comes back to you. That's Donald. He is taking everything that he and his people have done that is improper and doing what? Throwing it onto somebody else. You know, God bless somebody like Liz Cheney. Look, I don't agree with a lot of her politics at all, right? However, the fact that she stood truth to power, the fact that she's now lost her primary in a state that she won 73% on simply because she wanted to hold Donald Trump accountable for January 6th and for other crimes that we all know this man committed. That's a terrible, terrible, you know, um, it's a terrible place, you know, for our country to be in right now. I got to say, Mike, just looking at you and speaking with you over the course of this podcast, like you got a new glow about you, I, I feel. And I don't know if it's from watching all the news that's out there right now and seeing that justice. No, actually... I was in the hand. I was in the Hamptons. <laughs> OK, you got relaxed. Yeah, you're on, so I got you're, a tan. You were yeah. on vacation. OK, that's what it is. It was the tan in the Hamptons. But gen generally, how are you feeling with all this news? Do you feel vindicated a little? No, and no. Freud? Like, what do you feel? No, What's happening? I'm, I do not feel vindicated. Right. First of all. The, the amount of lies that were told about me, and again, I talk about it in the book, are voluminous. And, you know, I want people to understand the truth. As it relates to Alan Weisselberg, I don't think he's getting enough time, to be honest with you. And worse than that, he's not the only guy that should be in this position right now. There are a dozen people that I call out that I believe should all be right now in front of the same judge getting a sentence and a much more significant sentence because the damage they're doing to our country is so significant. What the fuck is five months, which is going to amount to 100 days? Not good. No, it, it, it's completely crazy. And I encourage everybody who wants to hear more from Michael Cohen to make sure you go right now, pre-order the book at revenge-thebook.com. The book is Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. And if I'm reading this right, this is pretty cool right here, but you could get a signed copy if you pre-order it right now at revenge-thebook. So make sure to pick up your copy. Michael Cohen, always an absolute pleasure to have the you same. on the Midas Touch podcast. We value our friendship with you so much. And thank you for going out there every single day and fighting the good fight. Yep. And um, stay tuned. I have a couple of really great guests coming up on uh, Maya Culpa, including uh, Tattenhof, the head of the Oath Keepers. So stay tuned for that. We'll be looking forward to that. Everybody, make sure that you are subscribed. Michael Cohen, thank you. And we will be right back with more of the Midas Touch podcast. Be well, guys. There you have it, folks. That was the great interview with Michael Cohen. Wow. Michael, Michael Cohen, the book Revenge. Make sure you order the book Revenge right now. And I think it ultimately has a number of meetings, the book Revenge. You think about Michael Cohen's books, Brett. 
you know, it starts off with disloyal, right? And then you have mea culpa, the podcast, and now you have revenge, right? In many ways, it is revenge that was taken out on him, Michael Cohen. On many ways, the nation is getting revenge for the shit that Donald Trump put our country through. So it has these kind of alternate meetings. The people in Donald Trump's circle who he screwed over are having their revenge. And at the end of the day, there's hope, though. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm looking forward to the uh, Michael Cohen book in a few more years about hope for all these battles that we fought together. We fought with Cohen that we fight with you, the Midas Mighty, that you fight with your friends and family, that pro-democracy as a movement is what won the day at the end of the day. And I hope we look back on all of these moments. This is why I keep saying the typical labels, Democrat, Republican, conservative, progressive, that no longer applies, right? There's pro-democracy and then there's fascism. There's being rational and rationalism. And then there's radicalism on the right. That's the framing of what exists right now. And it's really an honor to fight with each of you all of the time on this podcast, through the work that we're doing. Thanks for everyone who's supported our most recent video, Lock Trump Up. Video's got over 1 million views, probably a million three, million four right now. Newsweek did a good piece on it. Brett, incredible <laughs> editing job. No, I, I appreciate that. And no, I, I felt that wasn't as impactful and I thought it was important because, you know, it, 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 it does what Midas Touch has done from the beginning, which is takes their own words and turns it on them, turns it back on them. And throughout Donald Trump's entire history and now the entire Republican Party has is engaging in this, it's just all projection. It's just all exactly what we were speaking about with Michael Cohen. And when Michael Cohen speaks about revenge in his new book, you remember how the Trump administration weaponized the Department of Justice against their political enemies. And so now when they are crying foul on the Department of Justice, who is actually an independent arbiter of justice, who actually has that dividing wall between the Department of Justice and the president of the United States, you understand why they are saying those things, because they only speak of what they do themselves. They cannot fathom people actually abiding by the law. And right now we are seeing justice by the book being carried out on Donald Trump from all angles. I think Donald Trump is cornered. I do think that does make him dangerous, but I will say this time he does not have the backing of the federal government behind him. There is no Bill Barr to swoop in and save the day. Donald Trump is on an island by himself and Fawny Willis is coming for him. Merrick Garland is coming for him and I wish him the worst of luck going forward. Everybody, thank you so much for watching this episode and listening to this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. Again, go to store.midastouch.com. Make sure you subscribe. All of our YouTube watchers, go right now, subscribe on the audio. Subscribe to the audio, leave a five-star review on the audio. That helps with the algorithm there. Audio listeners, go over and make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and go to store.midastouch.com and buy the gear because you're already part of the Midas Mighty community. Now go out there in the real world too and show that you're a part of the Midas Mighty community with the Midas Touch gear. We spend a lot of time designing these specifically with all of you in mind. Store.midastouch.com. They make great gifts. They make 
great. I got to do a good shout out to you. You know what's freaking amazing? The other day I saw a amazing Midas Touch follower, Midas Jerry, who we have went down and spent time with in Texas doing events for Beto O'Rourke. And she, the other day, actually went to a Beto O'Rourke event and she saw somebody else wearing Midas Touch gear. And I thought that was one of the most awesome things on the planet. It's really just such a great pro-democracy community movement. And we're all in this together. We're all in this fight. I don't care if you've considered yourself a Republican in the past, or if you're lifelong Democrats like us, I just want everybody who is for democracy, who wants to protect what the United States of America was truly founded on and the true ideals of this country. If that's you, if those are your beliefs, not the crazy BDE nonsense and lock Fauci up and kill Merrick Garland stuff that the right is spouting right now. Not that outrageous stuff, but if you're one of the regular, normal, patriotic, pro-democracy loving Americans, we welcome you in this fight and it's an honor to have you here. I'll take Jordy's role. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. 